0: Welcome to the Rhodes Church podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. We're st- still talking about preparing a dwelling place, and uh, we may be, well, we're just going to talk about it today and see where it goes. So let's get our Bibles out here at the Rhodes Church. We get excited when we open our Bibles. Uh, Because we believe it is living and powerful. So if you got your Bibles, come on, get them out. Let's open up to Exodus chapter 29. Woo! Exodus 29. Are you ready? Let's do it. Sermon notes are in the worship guide and on the YouVersion Bible app if you'd like to check them out there. Note takers are world changers. We believe it. Also, want to give a big shout out to Pastor. Charla and all of the team for yesterday, our parent boot camp was off the hook, phenomenal, so thank you so much. You're like, what was that? We had a training camp, a boot camp for parents yesterday. Yeah. It was incredible, it was convicting, challenging, Youch, but it was so good, and I thought it was awesome that uh, the timing of it lines up right with where I was going to preach today anyway. Uh, being gone last week, got pushed back to this week, so... Excited about it. So, preparing a dwelling place. Remember, when we're talking about this. It's not about a dwelling place in a building on a certain day. We're talking about being a dwelling place everywhere we go at work, at home, at school, on vacation. We we'll always want to be a dwelling place for the presence of God. That's His desire for us. So, in Exodus 29 38, I'll start reading there. It says, Now this is what you shall offer. Hang on, let's pray. Father, I just pray right now in Jesus' name for revelation to come. Holy Spirit, I yield the floor to you. Whatever you want to say, whatever's on the heart of a father, do. I pray this word come alive. It'll be something that will change our hearts, Lord. It's not about the talent of a a communicator. It's about the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. So I say, come, Lord, do what only you can do in Jesus' name. Amen. Back to verse 38. Now this is what you Shall offer on the altar. Notice the context. Speaking about you individually, shall offer on the altar two lambs of the first year, day by day, continually. Talking about preparing a dwelling place, we've mentioned three things. And if you haven't watched this, your first time here, man, go back on YouTube. There are 25 episodes on preparing a dwelling place that you can catch up on. I'm not sure how many. Three things, though, we're talking about. Number one, you shall offer an offering. We're to offer our whole, whole, whole hearts worship to Jesus. Number two, sacrifice. Being a place for Jesus is going to involve denying ourselves, taking up our cross, and being a living sacrifice for Jesus. He's the one that matters. Third, you do this continually. It's talking about consistency. About being steadfast, immovable, and always abounding. So these three things we've talked about, being an offering, uh, living a life of sacrifice, and being consistent. We just keep doing it over and over and over. One minister said that the power is in consistency, or inconsistency lies the power, I think is how they phrased it. Some of the greatest victories you will have in your life is because you were just consistent. You just kept showing up, you kept doing it, you kept being available, God's going to honor that. So those are the three that we talked about. I want to add a fourth today. I want to add a fourth. So let's jump down to verse 42. We read through 39 through 41 already, talked about that. It's really good. Talks about the lamb and the oil and the flour and the wine. All of that represents Jesus, represents the cross, represents communion. It's really good, represents the Holy Spirit, but we've already talked about it. Verse 42. Here's where I want to add the fourth one today. So we have offering, sacrifice, consistency, Verse 42, this shall be a continual burnt offering throughout your generations at the door of the tabernacle of meeting before the Lord where I will meet you to speak with you. So notice something happens. The context changes here from something you shall offer to something bigger than us individually. It says this shall be a continual burnt offering throughout your generations. It goes from something I shall do to something bigger than me. This is one of the core values of the Rhodes Church is that we're building his kingdom, it's bigger than us. It's not about us, it's about him. And so this is what the, the context moves to. He says, continual burnt offerings throughout your generations. Now the word continual is the same Hebrew word that we saw in verse 38 where it says continually. It means constantly, regularly, perpetually, never stopping. So the first part is, this is what you shall offer. It was talking particularly to me or you individually, say, you never stop. Be consistent, be continual, be perpetual, you never stop. So it's about me being consistent and continuing with it. But in this one, it says continually throughout your generation, the context changes from me being consistent to understanding that it's not just about me, it needs to continue from me on to someone else. So the message here is God saying, hey, Chad, I want you to be consistent, yes, but don't forget, I also want you to make sure and pass it on to somebody after you. And this is the part that we're going to add. The fourth one is continuation. Somebody say continuation. It doesn't stop with us. It doesn't stop with me. It goes on past me. And notice what it says. This shall be a continual burnt offering throughout your generations. The word generation just means lineage or family line. Right? So it's talking about your descendants. This shall be a continual burnt offering. In other words, this shall be a lifestyle, a way of life throughout your family line or your heritage. Now, the word throughout is really cool because the word throughout in the Hebrew is a word that means to, towards, to the point, or toward a goal. And when I read this, it kind of jumped out at me. And I'm like, well, Lord, what are you you saying here? I said, here's what I believe the message from God to the people is that passing down to our children a relationship with the Heavenly Father, His Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit is the goal. Like throughout your generations, what he's saying is, listen, this whole thing, the goal is to point towards, shoot at, giving it to the generations that come after you. So here's what I felt like he was reminding, that the goal is to reach the nations by going throughout the generations. So the goal was not to reach the nations at the expense of the generations, Here's what I mean by that. Some people might say, well, I'm called to the nations. I'm called to preach the gospel. I'm called to build the kingdom of God and not focus on the generations after you. It's not an either or. It's a both and. See, how we're going to build the kingdom of God is not by reaching all of them. It starts with reaching those in my house to give them the gospel, give them the message. My greatest responsibility is not to you all. It is to my five. He says, throughout the generations, I, I have to take a posture I would give up all of you if it meant saving my five. I'm not to build the kingdom through more campuses and churches and focus on all of that and forget about the generations that come through my own household. This is what God is saying. He said it's not about you. It's bigger than you. you got to pass it along to the next generation. It has to be intentional and it will not be easy. So I want to speak to this for just a moment. Proverbs chapter 22 verse 6. You can turn there if you'd like. Proverbs 22, 6, it's a popular scripture, it says this, train up, everybody say train up, Mm. a child in the way, the way he or she should go, and when he or she is old, they will not depart from it. Mm. Train up a child in the way. What does train up mean? The word train up in the Hebrew is a word that means to narrow, to initiate, to discipline, to dedicate, develop behavior by instruction and practice. It's a narrowing. When we train up a child in the way they should go, it's a narrowing to them of this is the way. There's a bunch of ways, but this is the way. You can do whatever you want, but live this way. Jesus said in John chapter 14 verse six, "I am the way, the truth and the lie." He said, I, I'm, not, "I'm not one of many. I am the. I am the only way, and no one comes to the Father except through me," Jesus said. So when we're training up a child in the way they should go, it's about discipline. It's about developing behavior by instruction and practice. Mm -hmm. Narrowing down. This is the way we live. This is the way. This is the way. Walk ye in it. This is the way. This is the way we live. This is the way we roll. This is how how Jesus says to live. This is what the Bible says. This is the way. When you're telling, why do we do that? Because this is what the Bible says. Why do we not lie? Because the Bible says those who lie have their place in the lake of fire. We don't just lie because it's not the right thing to do. Or we don't not lie because it's not the right thing to do. We don't lie because Jesus said don't lie. Because when we begin to teach them that the Bible determines our convictions, then they'll go back to the Bible to get their approval for everything. But if I tell them just not to do it because I say so, then they'll begin to question, well, you say so, they say so, who's really right? Point back to the Bible and say, this is the basis for our truth. got to train them up in it. Train them up in it. it. Now, when you have a trainer you ever ha- hired a trainer? If you've ever been trained in something, training is not always fun. It, the, Bible, the definition there in the Hebrew says discipline. Discipline. So when, you, when you're training for something, you have to do things differently. If you're training like physical exercise, you're training to run, if you're training to do, you can't just eat whatever you want to eat if you want to achieve these goals. You can't just do what you want to do when you want to do it. A trainer challenges you. If you hire a trainer, a trainer's going to tell you some things you don't want to hear. A trainer's going to make you, a good trainer never asks this question to you. What do we feel like doing today? If that's what your trainer says to you, fire them, they're stealing your money. You, I don't want a trainer that's going to ask me what I feel like doing. I feel like going back to bed. Yeah. <laughs> I hired a trainer one time. And I uh, hired him one day. This was back before cell phones. And I was, I was living up north, and uh, he was, my goal was to do something. I'm just going to leave it at that. And so I hired this guy. I said, help me, help me get there. He was like, oh, I can get you there. I'm like, okay, awesome. All right, we'll start tomorrow. I said, "All right, we'll start tomorrow." I, I didn't know what that meant. I'm in my bed, sound asleep. Five o'clock in the morning. Ring. No caller ID. There no such thing. Phone's ring. No answer machine. It's gonna ring until you pick it up. So, so I pick it up and I went, "Hello." And the voice on the other end goes, "You up?" I can't say what I said. I was not serving Jesus at the time. (laughs) Let's just say I said no. Why, no, thank you, I am not. No, I said no. And I said, who is this? And he said, this is so-and-so. I mean, get up, get out of bed. We got to do this. I want you to meet me here. You got 15 minutes to get there. Click. What? I didn't like it, but I had a goal. When you're training someone to do something, don't think your responsibility is to ask for their approval. Let me encourage some parents, and I say this not to throw shade on kids because I was trained at a time. We're not always going to like the way that we're trained in, even if it's the right way. Sometimes we got this misconception that if it's right, it's going to feel right. What? Sometimes we're going to be trained and it's not going to be popular. Sometimes we're going to be trained in ways that not everybody approves of. This is why people say, well, well, everybody else is doing it. Well, are they training for what we're training for? We're trying to get results that not everybody's going to get by doing things that not everybody's willing to do. That's what training involves. But sometimes you're not going to like it. I remember my dad, he was, he was here this morning, so the this, this story popped in my mind whenever I saw him. I remember my dad, when I was young, was he was a stickler on church attendance. And uh, I wasn't a big fan of that rule. And so I'm playing sports, and no matter what I'm playing, he was always coming to get me. If it's Wednesday night, he's there to get me. And I remember my freshman year, I had a brand-new coach in our school, he, did, he was new to the community, didn't know us very well, and I'm just a green freshman. And uh, we had practice on Wednesday night; it was going to be from six to eight. And I knew when he said that, I was like, "Oh no!" <laughs> but I just kept it to myself. I thought, "Well, let's just see." So I go to practice, going, and I'm looking up the clock. I'm glancing at the clock. I'm thinking it's about six forty, and all of a sudden, the gym door opens up. And in steps my dad. I saw him. I looked, kept shooting. I kept looking. I'm on the other end of the gym. And the coach who was new walks over to my dad and he says, can I help you? He said, yeah, I'm Chad's dad. I'm here to get him. He said, well, practice isn't over yet. He said, it is for Chad. <laughs> the walk of shame all across the court. In front of, see you guys, see ya, see ya. Did I like it at the time? No, but where am I standing today? Because my dad said, he is more important than that ball that you're dribbling. I didn't like it, but was he right? Yeah. Train up a child in the way they should go. When they're old, they will not depart from it. Stand on that. Believe in it in a way. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 7, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. Don't be apologizing about teaching a way that is tight, it's narrow, it's difficult. It is the way of Jesus. It's not going to be popular by everybody, but it's the way that we want to teach them. So this is what God is speaking here. Teach them the way. Deuteronomy chapter 4 verse 9 says, only take heed to yourself. He's talking to parents here. Take heed means to guard, protect, be attentive and focused on something, and diligently keep yourself. Diligently guard. Diligently means vehemently, forceful energy, passionately. Guard yourself lest you forget the things your eyes have seen, lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. So what is he saying? Listen, the only way you're going to keep these things that you've been taught from departing from your heart and your eyes is that you diligently guard them and protect them as precious. When I'm taught the way of living for Jesus, I've got to guard it and protect it. Why? Because it is is life to me. But then he says it doesn't stop there. Guard it and then teach them to your children and your grandchildren. That word teach means to cause something to be known through instruction and experience. What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to take and guard what God has given us, and then we teach it to our children. And our grandchildren. I want to encourage some grandparents for just a moment. Our job is not just to raise our kids, and then the grand- grandkids come along, we just throw our hands up in the air and say, I did mine. I'm telling you, grandparent, you are valuable, you are valuable, you are valuable to pour into that grandchild, to pour into them the ways of God. I promise you, my grandchildren, come around me, they're going to hear some Jesus. They're going to be taught the ways of God out of my mouth. I can't control anything else, but I can control what I do. Say, come here, let me pray for you. Let's lay hands on that. I don't know if a prayer works. Let me tell you, prayer works. Let's pray. Pray for them. If they're straying, if they're not doing, pray for them. Grandparents and parents, teach your kids. Powerful principle of what God is saying. Man, there's some other great scriptures in here, but I want to get on to verse 42. So this shall be a continual burnt offering throughout your generations. So it doesn't start stop with you. It goes on past you. Come on, pour into our kids. You're responsible. Throughout, the, throughout your generations, look at the next part. At the door of the tabernacle of meeting before the Lord. I already touched on this, but I want to touch on it again. The value of teaching your children to meet the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. We're to pass down to the next generations the value of attending and being in the house of God. We are not designed to watch church I am thankful for the technology for when we're ill or we're not able to come or we're traveling or whatever. I am thankful for the opportunity to reach through that camera to our E-Roads family and minister. But I'm saying your goal in life should not be to teach your kids that we watch it on the screen and while we're doing other things. Get into the house of God. Attend the house of God. It doesn't have to be this one, but get in the house of God. Get in his presence. We teach them to come into his presence. Teach them that they're going to be a part, be faithful, to show up. Why? To meet with God. Look what it says in Hebrews chapter 10. And let us consider one another in order to stir up. Here's what stir up means. To stimulate, motivate, encourage, to provoke. We're supposed to provoke one another in love and good works. Provoke each other with love. Incite each other with love. Don't provoke them with political debate. Provoke them with love. Yeah. Provoke them with good works. Provoke them with something that says, "I don't know if I agree with everything, but their life sure is different. Something about their life. Are they real? Are they genuine? I had someone ask one of the most humbling questions. I went to a funeral and this lady introduced me to another lady. She said, this lady wants to meet you. She watches every week and she's never met you and she wants to meet you. And one of the things that she said, uh, that she asked me before she met me, she said, I want to meet him, but I got this one question. Is he real? The fact that we have to ask that question is that people put on a performance, but you don't know if they're genuine in their hearts. My greatest testimony will always be for the six other people in my family to say I'm the real deal. That's it. That's it. I, I just want them to know. I don't know if they agree with me on everything or not, but I want them to know my dad was real. He was genuine. Let that be. let stir up another in, one another in good works to live this gospel out freely, genuinely. Not forsaking, verse 25, not forsaking, that means not leaving behind, not ceasing, not stopping, the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some. That is not a compliment. Paul is saying, but exhort one another so much more as you see the day approaching. What does he say? Don't cease, don't stop attending and gathering together in church. As some do. He was not pointing at that some and saying, well, they're cool too. He's saying, don't be like them. Come together in the house of God. Why? Well, God's not necessarily always just in church. I know, but I'm saying we're called the body of Christ. The body needs you. You do something I don't do. We're here to support one another. We're here to encourage one another. Stay in the house of God. So this this is what we're supposed to teach them. Go to church. Go to church, but not just go to church. Go to church, he says in verse 43, and there I will meet with the children of Israel. Here's what we, we make sure and we tell them. I will meet with the children of Israel and the tabernacle shall be sanctified by my glory. Here's one thing that's really important. You don't just go to church to be going to church. We also teach them that you come to church to meet with him. What, what, what does that mean? Church is not just something you do. It's someone you encounter. Yes. Yes. This is why we don't want you to just come to the Rose Church and say, whoa, man, that's great singing or great preaching. We want you to come and go, wow, that's great presence. Yes. So Him. Because it says, my, my tabernacle will be sanctified by my glory. Now, what does that mean? That's kind of a churchy phrase. It will be sanctified by my glory. <laughs> you know, you say stuff like that and people are like, uh, whatever. <laughs> sanctified by the glory of God. you got to shake a little bit and you say it. <laughs> Sanctified by my glory. What does glory mean? Glory, this is the Hebrew word kabod, which means weight, splendor, Honor, majesty, abundance, manifestation of presence and power. Sanctified just means it's set apart or sacred. Put the two together. The glory of God, we can say this. The presence of God is everywhere all the time. He's all over the world right now. He's everywhere. He's omnipresent. But the kabod of God is when the presence of God I don't know what other uh, English word to use other than manifest or shows up or reveals himself in a concentrated place in a way that's greater and more intense. So, like, he shows up in a way that's like, whoa, he's here. Like, he was always here, but like, no, 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 he's really here. Like, it causes effects. Things happen because of that. So, he says, my church will be sanctified or set apart by my manifest presence. Here's what he's saying. Back there in the Old Testament, the offering of the animals, the sacrificing of the animals and the incense and all of that stuff, those rituals were designed to point to God, never take the place of God. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Sacrificing a goat was not supposed to take the place of of looking to God as their redeemer. But how many knows you can get into the habit of just doing things? This is my slicing goat move, I guess. That's what that is right here. <laughs> you, can, you can offer the goat as a sacrifice. You can sprinkle some blood. You can do the things and get satisfied doing the things and never enter into the glory. Glory. Does it happen today? Here's what happens in churchianity. We get satisfied with doing things so much so that we're willing to let the things we do replace the presence. So much so that churches don't even know That the kabod, the presence of God is not even here. They don't care. As long as they sing their songs and preach their sermon, then they're done. Because what they do has taken the place of who they're with. God's saying, my temple, my tabernacle will not be set apart by what you do. It will be set apart by who you're with. This is what I want. I, I want this place to be set apart, not by, the ch- not by the talent of speakers like Greg Short or singers. I want it to be set apart because you walk in and he's here. We start worshiping and he comes. Because none of you came for me, I promise you. And here's what I felt. I was praying this morning and I said, God, we need your glory here. Because there's people that's coming in sick. There's people that are watching that are hurting. There are people that are coming with desperate circumstances. And I can't do anything for them. But if you come. So he says, we have to teach our kids. You don't come to church just to sing songs. Your presence is where I want to be presence we're not just going through motions we're we're here for him right we're not satisfied with the things we do for God we want the kaboat not the commode the kaboat right I want the weighty Manifest presence of God. I want to be God. We're here for you. We can sing songs, we can do sermons, that's great, but I don't want to check the box and go home and watch the game and never experience the glory of God. I'm not here for that. I'm not here to grow a church that just has rituals that we that we go through because look what he says. I got to get to this. Caleb came out way too quick. And there I am. I'm just kidding. He's on he's on point. Verse 44, so I will consecrate the tabernacle of meeting and the altar. I will also consecrate both Aaron and his son. It's bigger than me. Both Aaron and his son. It's bigger than the adults. He didn't say I'm just concentrating the grown-ups. I'm consecrating the children. I'm gonna consecrate the children that the anointing. There's no junior Holy Spirit. It's not like the adults have this great big God and the kid back there playing. No, the same Holy Spirit fills our children. I'm gonna consecrate the sons. I'm gonna consecrate the kids. I'm going to I'm gonna consecrate him and his sons to minister to me. Minister to me. Here's what we gotta teach our kids. It's not about coming to church to get mine. We're supposed to minister to God. But that's a foreign concept to some people. If you say, hey, come into church and minister to God. If we would stop during worship and say, all right, let's all minister to God, people would be like, what do, we, what do we do? What do we do? You know what ministering to God looks like? From your heart, you love Him. You just, from your heart, you just, there's no magic words to it. It's just saying, I love you. I love you, Jesus. That ministers to him. He loves it. And he's not, he's not some uh, insecure, needy God. <laughs> because I, I did this this morning or I came in. I just walked around in the carpet. I said, Lord, I love you. I just love you. I thank you. I praise you. And he's so non-selfish. He can't help himself. Like I'm trying to minister to him. He can't help but come and, okay, enough about me. Let me minister to you. His presence comes. So we got to teach him, you minister to him. You love on him. And then what happens when we minister to him? He says, I will dwell among the children of Israel. I'll dwell there and will be their God. And they shall know that I am the Lord their God. What's that mean? What's that mean? Quickly. When I teach my kids to come to the house of God and to meet with Him and to worship Him, He said, There will come a time where they will know that I am their God. There's a difference when He's mine and I teach them about Him till it comes to the point where they say, I don't care. If my parents even serve Jesus, he's mine. He's my God all by myself. I'm going to church because I want to go to church. I'm paying my tithe because I want to tithe. I'm worshiping him. I'm singing him because I, he's my God. He saved me. It went from a time when Chad's practice is over. It came to a point where I said, dad, I'm going to church whether you're going or not. He became mine. He went from my dad training me up and and disciplined me and narrowing the way and saying, this is the way to walk and I don't want to walk that way. But he kept it narrow. He kept it narrow. I resisted. I wanted freedom. I wanted to make my choices. And so when there came a time where I moved out, I could. And I went, yeah! (laughs) Woo! There'll be a meme out of that thing right there, <laughs> but I did, and I thought the narrow, restricted life that my God, was, my dad was teaching me, was bondage. So I got out living like this, and I found out that this became bondage. God was reminding me of my heritage this week and he had me write it down. We'll go through it quickly. My spiritual heritage started at the Northside Baptist Church in Grayville, Illinois. It's a wee little boy. From there, I went to the First Baptist Church in Albion, Illinois. From there, my family, after my parents got a divorce and my, my dad went to the Free Methodist Church in Albion, Illinois for just a time. And then from there, we was part of a group that started another church called the House of Prayer in Alban, Illinois. From, from there, went to college. Was taught. Maybe in everything that I was taught was not right. Maybe everything in your closed-minded conservative world is not right. There's more ways to see things, and there's more ideas. I'm yeah. I see all these new things, and so I go up, and my my spiritual heritage came to a screeching halt. Till Timberlane Apartments in Peoria, Illinois. I looked it up on the map. And as I looked it up and I saw where it was on North War Memorial Drive, immediately when I looked at it, ooh, the glory of God came on me because I remember. I remember in the third story apartment that I lived in when the God came in my apartment and said, today's the day you make a decision. Will I be your God or not? And I remember saying, God, God, I choose you, I choose you. Then God brought me, and my family came to Crossroads Bible Church in Little North City, Illinois. I met my wife in Evansville. We started attending here, been here for 20-some years. My heritage has a lot of twists and turns, but my dad and my mom started training me in the way I should go. And through all of my dips and do's, I found my way back to what was true. So I'm thankful and my desire is for this to be true in our lives, that we will dwell with God. And I wanna say to parents and to grandparents, train your kids in the way they should go they're not always going to like it I didn't like it they're not always going to approve and they're not always going to follow but they cannot stop me from praying for them they are up against an immovable force they don't even know they don't even know once I start praying in the spirit it's over they don't even know that's not to brag on me. I'm bragging on my God that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that I can ask or think, according to the power that works on the inside of me. That the enemy may have a plan, but my God's plan is bigger than my enemy's plan. Well, you don't understand. Your kids got to decide. I know my kids got to decide, but I also have to decide. And I have decided that I'm going to be immovable on the promises of God. I'm going to stand my ground as a parent, as a grandparent, because I want my grandkids, my great-grandkids, my great-great-great-great-grandkids, all of them to love Jesus. It's a heritage. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at the theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.